0: M-S-W-Media. Thanks to AG1 for supporting our show. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash And a big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER.
1: Daily Beans.
0: Welcome to The Daily Beans for Thursday, September 28, 2023. Today, Judge Tanya Chutkin has denied Donald Trump's motion for her to recuse herself from his case. Jared Kushner pressured The Washington Post to fire its editor over Russia reporting. The FBI is investigating Senator Bob Menendez and his canoodling with Egyptian intelligence. Senator Tommy Tuberville has said that the military is, quote, not an equal opportunity employer, unquote. Congressman Goldman demands Justice Clarence Thomas recuse himself from an upcoming case involving the Koch Network, and the Department of Justice has indicted a four-time Republican candidate for Congress on 43 counts of campaign fraud. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. 43 counts.
2: I mean, that's a lot. And he's got, what, four unsuccessful bids for Congress?
0: Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to say he was a Republican. I was going to let everybody guess, but it was right after the headline about Menendez. So I, <laughs> I <kinda had> to <laughs> put that in there. Um, also, later in the show, I get to chat with one of my favorite anchors, Ali Velshi from MSNBC. Nice. He also hosts the, the Velshi Band Book Club podcast, and he's got a new introduction out in a book of Donald Trump's indictments. And we also chat a little bit about media coverage. Um, So that's a really interesting conversation. I look forward to, to everybody being able to hear that chat. There's no patron happy hour tomorrow. That'll be next Friday. I'm traveling to D.C. this weekend with vote vets to lobby against a government shutdown. So I'll be doing that this weekend. On behalf of y'all, because government Thank shutdowns. Thank you for your
2: service,
0: literally <laughs> and figuratively. <laughs> You're welcome, and I know you'll be out there raising money for the human rights campaign. So we're I doing will. our thing, doing doing our stuff. All right, couple quick hits. Judge Chutkin has issued a 20 page ruling denying Trump's motion for her to recuse herself from his case. I did a whole Twitter thread on the highlights, and of course, Andy McCabe and I will go over it in detail on the next episode of Jack. It's a brilliant piece of legal writing. You should read it. And Congressman Daniel Goldman is leading the charge to pressure Justice Clarence Thomas to recuse himself from an upcoming SCOTUS case involving the Coke network after recent reporting from ProPublica that he attended Coke donor parties. Uh, I'm hoping to get the congressman on the Daily Beans next week to discuss that effort. So I look forward to speaking with him. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Federal prosecutors today unsealed a grand jury indictment that accuses a Torrance man who was a candidate for Los Angeles County congressional seat in four federal elections with misusing campaign funds, including funneling tens of thousands of dollars in campaign donations back to himself through his friends and his family. Omar Navarro, 34 years old, is charged in a 43 count grand jury indictment. He's currently in state custody on unrelated charges. Oh, boy. He's expected he's expected to be turned over to the feds. (laughs) Okay. This guy is a perennial Republican congressional candidate. He always runs against Maxine Waters, and he always loses. As part of the case against Navarro, FBI agents today arrested Dora Agshari, 59, of Torrance, who is Navarro's mother, Zacharias Diamantidis Abel of Long Beach, who is a friend of Navarro, both of whom are accused of conspiring with him to convert campaign donations to personal use. His mom. He got his mom arrested. Navarro unsuccessfully campaigned in the four most recent election cycles to represent South L.A. County in California's 43rd congressional district. Now, the indictment returned on September 14th and unsealed today, alleges Navarro from September 2017 through July 2020 illegally funneled campaign cash to himself. The indictment outlines a scheme in which Navarro allegedly made payments from his campaign to various individuals, including his mom and his friend, and then directed the transfer of the cash back to himself for personal use. Gosh, I wonder how the sleuths at the United States Attorney's Office figured and- that one. out. <laughs> no, you know, when when we follow the money, it's usually more complicated than that. Navarro. Yeah, it's not usually like a literally a trail of money on the ground. But <laughs> yeah, right. this time, yeah, he also allegedly used campaign funds to pay for personal expenses, including trips to Las Vegas and wine country, as well as two criminal defense attorneys. According to the indictment, Navarro later falsely reported these expenditures as campaign expenses to the FEC. Oops, you can't do that. Now, and Abel, that's his mom and his friend, concealed Navarro's misdirection of campaign funds by frequently cashing checks rather than depositing them into their personal bank accounts. If they deposited the check, they often withdrew the funds shortly thereafter to share with Navarro. In total, from December 2017 to June 2020, Abel and Ashgari allegedly received $49,260 and $58,625, respectively, from Navarro's campaign. That's according to checks he wrote or caused to be written to them. According to the indictment, Ashgari also created a shell company to facilitate her receipt of these campaign payments and transfers back to Navarro and his own shell company. Okay, so I guess they had some shell companies in there. It's a little more complicated. Yeah, mom's (laughs) got some skills. According to the indictment from uh, January 2018 through July 2020, Navarro deposited over $100,000 in cash into his personal bank accounts, even though he had no other source of income aside from the campaign funds. And he frequently made deposits after Abel and Ashgari cashed campaign checks. Navarro also formed a sham charity called the United Latino Foundation as another way to embezzle funds from his campaign for his personal use. All three defendants are charged with one count of conspiracy. Navarro has 13 counts of wire fraud and 26 counts of falsification of records and three counts of prohibited use of campaign funds. Ashgari is charged with six counts of wire fraud and Abel has two counts of wire fraud. Now, Navarro faces up to 25 years in prison. So, oops. Oops,
2: indeed. All right. This is from Gregory Gord at Bloomberg. U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville said he objected to efforts by a top military official to recruit and promote racial minorities in the armed forces saying, and I quote, equal opportunity threatens military readiness. He said, let me tell you something. Our military is not an equal opportunity employer. That was from Tuberville in his interview with Bloomberg Television Balance of Power Tuesday. Went on to say, we're looking for the best of the best to do whatever.
0: to do Just to do whatever. Just-
2: whatever. Whatever. Whatever you're best at, AG. We're not looking for different groups, social justice groups. We don't want to single-handedly destroy our military from within, he said. We all need to be one. It's like a football team I coached. You can't have different groups. Everybody's got to be together to win. There's no second place in war. Wow, that was the worst fucking quote I've almost ever read on this show about Mm -hmm. military readiness. Now, Tuberville, as we know, is the former head coach at Auburn University. He's been at the center of debates over the U.S. Armed Forces since placing a block on military promotions to protest Biden administration's abortion policies. He said he voted against Air Force General Charles Brown Jr.'s nomination as chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff last week because, and I quote, I think he has some woke policies. Brown's nomination passed, by the way, 83 to 11. So apparently a lot of people don't think that. And another quote from the story, I heard some things he talked about, about race and things he wanted to mix into the military. This is from Tuberville. He said he specifically objected to Brown's call for more diversity in the ranks of Air Force pilots only about 2%, by the way, of whom are black. My goodness.
0: Now you thought you read the worst quote ever. Wait till, wait till you read this one. Oh shit. Here we go. Here's Tuberville. He came out and
2: said we need certain groups, more pilots, certain groups to have an opportunity to be pilots. Listen, I want to be on merit. I want our military to be the best. I want it to be the best people. I don't care who they are men, women, doesn't make a difference. Apparently, they can't be trans, though, I'm sure, according to Tumberville. That's not part of the quote. Catholics, Protestants, he said, uh, don't give me this stuff about equal opportunity because that's not what this military is about. Wow. Mm, really? Now, the U.S. military has an equal opportunity policy since 1948 (laughs) when President Harry Truman signed an executive order desegregating the military and guaranteeing, and I quote, equality of treatment and opportunity for all persons in the armed services without regard to race, color, religion, or national origin. And remember, that's the one from 1948. So that has changed a bit. Now, the order that 16 years before the passage of the Civil Rights Act was a significant force in the desegregation of U.S. society as a whole. Representative Jim Clyburn, a South Carolina Democrat, immediately condemned Hufferville's remarks, as he should have. And he said he is the worst of the worst. That's what he said in an interview with Bloomberg Television and closed with the people of Alabama ought to be embarrassed about that. Mm. I agree, sir. I agree. There's no...
0: There's no equal opportunity policy in the military. Yes. Yes, For the
2: last 80 years, 85, (laughs) 75 years. Okay, pal.
0: What a racist piece of shit. All right. Next up from NBC. The FBI is investigating whether Egypt's intelligence services might have been involved in the alleged bribery scheme described in the indictment of Senator Bob Menendez and his wife. That's according to sources familiar. The counterintelligence investigation is in addition to the federal corruption case that accuses Menendez of accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes. As chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Menendez helped oversee billions of dollars in U.S. aid to Egypt. He stepped down as chairman after he was indicted. Investigators want to know whether Egyptian intelligence officials or their associates tried to gain access to Menendez through his wife, Nadine. According to the three-count indictment unsealed last week, Menendez accepted lavish bribes to wield his political position for the benefit of the Egyptian government and to enrich a group of Egyptian-American businessmen named as co-defendants. The three New Jersey-based businessmen named as co-defendants who are accused of providing bribes from hundreds of thousands of dollars in gold bars to a Mercedes-Benz convertible worth more than 60 grand, are Whale Hanna and Jose Uribe and Fred Dabes or Davis. I can't, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Uh, But Uribe and Davis are scheduled to be arraigned Wednesday, along with Menendez and his wife. Hannah was arraigned Tuesday and pled not guilty in federal court in New York City. By the way, that arraignment did happen. Menendez did plead uh, not guilty. Now, Hannah's lawyer, Larry Lustberg, denied that Hannah has ties to Egyptian intelligence. He says that Hannah and Nadine Menendez have been friends for years and that the friendship will be part of their defense against the bribery charges because, you know, they're not bribes if they're from friends. Clarence Thomas. (laughs) Each of the defendants is charged with conspiracy to commit bribery and conspiracy to commit honest services fraud. Menendez and his wife face an additional charge of conspiracy to commit extortion under color of official right. A lawyer for Nadine Menendez declined to comment when asked whether she might have been used by Egyptian intelligence officials. Menendez's Senate office did not respond to requests for comment. And Frank Faglusi, our friend, an NBC News security analyst, former assistant director for counterintelligence at the FBI, said Menendez's post- Atop the Foreign Relations Committee put him, quote, in a bullseye position for foreign intelligence services that are looking to have him make decisions in their favor, including military equipment and material decisions on funding. The question here is whether this all started chronologically with the senator's marriage, with the senator needing plausible deniability or an arm's length for any transactions that might have happened with intelligence operatives. And Faglusi closed out by saying all of that should be looked at from a counterintelligence perspective. And I agree. Thank you
2: so much, A.G. And this is from The Guardian, Donald Trump's son-in-law and senior White House advisor, unscented hand lotion, Jared Kushner, trying to persuade the publisher of The Washington Post to fire its editor over coverage of Russia investigation. That editor, Marty Baron, he wrote that in a new book. Well, this is a quote from there. With no delay and without pause during his four years as president, Barron writes, Trump and his team would go after the Post and everyone else in the media who didn't bend to his wishes. In December 2019, Kushner would lean on Fred, Ryan, to withdraw support for me and our Russia investigation. And went on to say, he aims to get me fired, I told Ryan. Now, Barron's book, Collision of Power, Trump, Bezos, and Washington Post, will be published next Tuesday. The Guardian obtained a copy. Now, the book arrives amid renewed attacks on the press by Trump. Last week, the former president turned Republican frontrunner promised action against Comcast, which is the owner of MSNBC and NBC for, and I quote, country threatening treason. Man, this guy fucking projects all over the place. Now, the Post (laughs) won a Pulitzer Prize, by the way, shared with New York Times for its coverage of the investigation of Russian election interference in 2016 and links between Trump and Moscow. A Pulitzer Prize, remember? Okay. Now, at the end of that investigation, in spring of 2019, the special counsel, former FBI director Robert Mueller, Bob Mueller, did not indict Trump or say he colluded with Russia. Muller Mueller did lay out extensive evidence of potential obstruction of justice by Trump and secure multiple indictments and convictions of Trump aides and allies. He also
0: laid out, though, I just kind of want to interject here because that's. Not... I know you ha- I know you take. Yeah, I know you take point with this. Go for it. Did not indict Trump or say he colluded with Russia. He laid out hundreds of pages of collusion with Russia. Yep. So he did. Bill Barr is say... the
2: one that stopped this.
0: Yeah, that's um, a little bit of uh, wonky reporting there. Sorry, go ahead. Please continue.
2: No, please. I love when the facts interject our stories. Now, Trump claimed exoneration, which Mueller did not offer, by the way, and called for prizes awarded for Russia reporting to be rescinded. Calls rejected by the Pulitzer board, by the way. Now, Kushner Barron now writes... This is a quote, suggested the Post issue an apology and there be a reckoning of some sort as he advised that he himself had made a huge mistake in once standing by a former editor of the New York Observer and one of its stories when he owned the publication. Yep, standing by my editor at that time was my biggest regret in the 10 years I owned the newspaper, he wrote in the email to Ryan. Kushner's intent was clear to me. This is from the author. He said, he aims to get me fired, I told Ryan. Now, the Post did not apologize. Barron was not fired. He retired in 2021 after a stellar career that included a Boston Globe investigation of sexual abuse in the Catholic Church that won a Pulitzer and became an Oscar-winning movie, which was Spotlight, which deserved it. It was incredible, in which Barron was played by Liv Schreiber. I I don't know why anyone would... I don't know why Jared Kushner would think that he's actually... uh, threatening <laughs> to anyone like walking into <laughs> an office and be like you need to fire this guy i think he was probably laughed out of the building
0: yeah i think my thigh is wider than his shoulders but you know whatever hey you know what we're not going to bag on anybody for their looks but I, he is not a threatening figure you know although with that power and the position in the white house you know that there's there's that, reasons that
2: that's true
0: yeah you don't want to cross that's that's all that's sort of an intangible power well he had weight to throw yeah. around That's
2: true. But he wasn't thrown around his weight, I'll tell you that right now.
0: (laughs) All right, everybody, Uh, stick around. We're going to be right back with one of my favorite people, Ali Velshi. Stay with us.
3: After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey,
0: everybody, it's AG. And before I started using my Helix mattress, I used to have trouble sleeping almost every night. Now, I fall asleep easier and wake up feeling more rested than ever. I thought it was, you know, anxiety and stress, and, and it was in part, but also I was sleeping on a mattress made for somebody else. Just go to HelixSleep.com slash Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And you'll get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Helix Sleep has a diverse variety of 20 distinctive mattresses, which include the award-winning Lux and newly unveiled Elite Collections. Each mattress has been designed with the individual needs of every sleeper in mind. This includes providing support for our big and tall friends and offering comfort for the precious little ones in the family. Each mattress is unique. Taking into account and accommodating our highly varied sleeping preferences. My personal favorite, the Helix Midnight. As you know, uh, it's a dream come true for those side sleepers among us who have a preference for a medium firm feel during their sleeping times. Uh, And sleeping times are my favorite now because of Helix. Discovering your perfect mattress is a cinch. You just use the friendly, user friendly Helix Sleep Quiz, which will guide you to the mattress that best suits your needs. And after it's ordered, it's delivered straight to your door free of charge. Each Helix mattress is crafted right here in the United States, guaranteeing a level of comfort and quality that's unparalleled and unmatched. You will never feel the need to step foot inside traditional mattress stores again. What's more, you get to try it out for 100 nights, risk-free. And it's backed by a 10 or 15-year warranty, depending on the model, a clear demonstration of Helix Sleep's unwavering reliability and commitment to customer satisfaction. And Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, Better Sleep starts
1: now. It's no surprise that newsmakers try to manipulate the audience. They want you to believe that they are the one holding the line, and they'll use any trick they can to get you there. But don't let them fool you. Get unspun. I'm Amanda Sturgill. I've been a reporter, and today I teach future reporters to cut the spin and think critically about what newsmakers say. My podcast, Unspun, shows you how to know when you're being manipulated by the news. Learn to spot the tricks and how to make up your own mind about what's true. So if you're tired of being fooled by the news, subscribe to Unspun today. Unspun, because you deserve the truth.
0: The issues of the day are really complicated. Everybody loves a good hot take, but really understanding an issue takes some digging. I'm Asha Ringaba. I teach national security law at Yale University. I'm a former FBI special agent and I'm a legal and national security analyst.
4: And I'm Renata Mariatti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer and a legal analyst.
0: And we're here to help you understand topics that can't be boiled down to a soundbite or a tweet.
4: Join us each week as we dig deep into pressing legal topics. Listen to It's Complicated anywhere you get your podcasts and check out our YouTube channel.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm so excited today. I get to speak to one of my favorite anchors ever, Please welcome host of Velshi on MSNBC weekends at 10 a.m. Eastern. He also hosts the Velshi Band Book Club podcast. And this week, you can buy a copy of the book, The Trump Indictments, the 91 Criminal Counts Against the Former President of the United States, for which he has written the introduction. Please welcome Ali Velshi. Hi.
4: It is great to be with you. Thank you. And, And just to be clear, this book that's just released has not yet been banned by anybody, but I'm sure there are some people who hope it would be.
0: Yeah, so we aren't going to be hearing about it yet on yes. the Valshi Band Book Club podcast, which is very good. Well, how much pornography is in there?
4: Uh, it all depends because our, our, apparently, according to Texas and Florida and a whole bunch of states, what we thought of as pornography, the whole definition has changed. So I'm not entirely sure. It's got boxes from Mar-a-Lago and mugshots, but that's about as good as it gets.
0: We got some hush money payments, right? We got,
4: uh, actually, you know what? You're right. So the, perhaps there's a tangential connection to pornography.
0: There could be there could be Uh, maybe if we did a graphic novel version of it, we could uh, probably
4: get it. That is an almost certain guarantee to get your book banned these days for some weird reason,
0: (laughs) because it has the word graphic in it. I think
4: I I truly think that's what it is, because I don't think, you know, we years ago when I was a kid, we didn't know that they were were called graphic novels. I think they were cartoons, but now they're for a different audience. And I think that's it, because I've interviewed, I think, maybe five or six authors of Banned graphic novels, and they're all as perplexed as I am about the whole thing.
0: Yeah, and if you're wondering, everyone listening, what we're talking about recently, the the graphic novel of the Diary Van Frank has been banned, and I truly believe it's because they think it's a graphic novel. No, a, yeah, they they,
4: you know. they fired a teacher in Texas for teaching it. Yeah, um, and and by the way, that that was that's one banned and challenged book, Art Spiegelman's Mouse, which is about the Holocaust um i'm trying to think there's a there's another one about the holocaust that's been banned the another one that was challenged was commander sulu george takei's book called they called us enemy it was it's also a graphic novel set when he was five years old and lived in a japanese internment camp in america yeah all of them have been challenged and so it's weird to me it's like do you guys just not know what these books are or unfortunately as you well know it's more than that they they do know what they're doing the banners
0: yeah. And what I think is fascinating from from your work on the ground in Ukraine, right, to your banned book club podcast, these are things we are doing to push back against autocratic creep, which Correct. is what is outlined in this book that you have written the introduction to, which is the indictments. And I yes. think it's so important that everybody just read the indictments. Talk about why you wanted to write the introduction for this piece.
4: Well, there, there are two things that got me here. The first is I'm like that. I am that guy who reads dense stuff. Um, it might be because I'm a little dense. Uh, so no. it helps me understand it to actually read it. And so the habit I got into, we just literally fell into it here at MSNBC, is when these indictments would come out, because they're long and they're, they're meaty, I, I read them as a podcast. And we were quite surprised at the response that we got from people who maybe don't have the time or would like to hear it in my dulcet tone so i I read all four indictments and then we decided why not publish them in one book uh it's it's quite small actually so you can keep it with you you and keep it wherever you you know happen to consume your news because you're going to need to make references to it a lot and they are very very well written but it is this is sort of where we are. We're at this precipice as it relates to democracy. This isn't I wouldn't normally cause regular people to read an indictment. I would think that's boring and and one shouldn't do it. But in fact, I think at this point we we have to.
0: Yeah. And I think it's so important because, you know, my copy has post-it notes all over it, just like my copy of the Mueller report has post-it notes and references all over it. And one of the reasons I started the the Mueller She Wrote podcast and did a 20 part miniseries on the actual report was because I think it's so important that we break these things down into digestible pieces that people want to listen to. Because, I mean, let's face it, the Mueller report, it was a snoozer. Okay, it's kind of dry, uh, but there was so much important crucial, so much important information in there that people need to hear. And that is why I respect the work that you do so much and why I think, you know, I've read through this introduction of yours uh, to these indictments. Why I think that sort of roadmap is so important for people to put their eyes on.
4: Yeah. And it's you know, you mentioned the Mueller report, the January 6th report. Like I said, we're not all lawyers. We're not all going to be lawyers. Most people like me get their law education through you know law and order or things like that. But these things are actually important in terms of decision making. And because they are, it's not normal to read them. What you end up with is a lot of people who, for better or for worse, rely on analysis from people who are on cable news or on radio shows. And that's OK. That's OK. But we are now at a point where it would be best if you, to the extent possible, put your eyes on the words themselves, understood what they say. One really interesting thing to me, for instance, is in Jack Smith's January 6th indictment. On the very second page of the whole thing, he articulates the fact that Donald Trump had every right to deny the outcome of the election. He had every right to lie about it if he believed he had lost the election. And he had, obviously, every right to seek uh, redress, meaning recounts, Audits, uh, court cases. So when Donald Trump says, you know, my my, fifth, my first amendment rights are being uh, pondered and all this, no, actually they are. They're recognized on page two. He has a right to do this. He had a right to do it. what he didn't have a right to do is attempt to actually overturn an election and, and and count four in that one, which is the one that stands out to me the most. It's one page. It's very short. There's no description, and it says. This was an effort to take away the right that people had to vote and the right to have their vote counted. That's what this is all about. And whether it's the hush money payments, it's all an interference with democracy. And once you start, you know, democracy is one of those things. Once you give a finger, you, you lose your whole hand. You can't just say these infringements upon democracy are okay. Zero infringements on democracy are okay. And until we are all free to vote and to have our votes counted, none of us are. Right. If you don't count all the votes, then you might as well not count any of the votes. That's how it works in a lot of other countries. They count some of the votes, the ones they like.
0: Yeah. And this is so important to not just the preservation of the free press. Right. But the the preservation of democracy itself, as you say, small D democracy, yep. because those the, let's talk about the, the media ecosystem, because those who would spread disinformation about. These indictments, those who would say, oh, they're taking away his First Amendment rights. They're saying he can't say what he wants when we, clearly Jack Smith addressed that in page two of the indictment. Those who would spread this disinformation are counting on people not reading
4: 100%. these indictments. And gotcha. so
0: that I, I think is one of the main like that. That's the crux of why it's so important that it's put out here and why this introduction that you've penned, which is, is wonderful. I, I really recommend everybody you can get this wherever your books are sold is so is so critical to to the media to comment a little bit because you are you are a member of the media. I'm a member of the media, but a different I think feel like a different kind of the media. But uh, talk a little bit about where you see the media going in terms of coverage of this completely unconventional party, completely unconventional president, because, you know, as Christiane Amanpour says, we need to be truthful, not neutral. And I think that that is what yes. your goal is.
1: Yes,
4: that's exactly right. We, we're we're not neutral on democracy in the same way we're not neutral on homicides and hurricanes. Right. We don't when I cover hurricanes and I'm out there a lot in hurricanes, I'm not pretending like this is fun uh, and we're all going to have a good time. People are going to die. They're going to be, uh, you know, people's homes are going to be damaged in a homicide. We're not there's not a both sides uh, issue. There is a trial and that we should be we should be cognizant of that Donald Trump is entitled to a fair trial. And we should all be very interested that he gets one. We should hope he gets one. What we don't want to do is take shortcuts and do this like non-democratic countries do. But there are at the moment, there are binary choices that Americans are faced with. I wish that were not so. I wish there could be good faith debates about what minimum wage should be and whether universal health care should be a thing. I believe it, it, it should, but someone may not. And I'd love to have a good faith debate. That's not what's happening. It's not even what's happening with the Republican Party. Even so-called moderates, whom I interview a great deal, they're very disappointed. They're very worried about their party because in many cases at the state level, in Arizona, in Michigan, in, in Pennsylvania, and Georgia, the, the, the party apparatus itself has just decided To be on the wrong side of democracy and 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 everybody following Donald Trump and the people running against him in some cases like Vivek Ramaswamy and others, they're all being sucked into this thing. And it's very dangerous. You cannot walk back from that easily across the world. We've got these Ukrainians who are dying to, to preserve their hard fought democracy. They don't want to lose it. And we're we don't have to worry about tanks coming in and, and, and missiles coming in, but we have something else. We've got a, a disease that's growing from the inside, and it's on all of us to actually stop that. And it's on us in the media. I don't know how to use that. We're talking about a disease. What are we in that in that operation? The media is the bright lights in the in the operating room, so that the surgeon can see what they're doing. The voter's the surgeon. The voter's the one who's going to have to make the decision. But we're going to hope that you make sure you can see everything that's going on. And shining that light means shining that light on the disease if you have to, not pretending all things are equal.
0: Yeah, no and that And that's one of the things that I love about the way that you do the work that you do, the, whether it's this introduction, the podcast, your show on MSNBC, is because you are pro- calm reason and analysis and curating the news and contextualizing the news. Because, you know, so many people want to say, you know, we need justice for Donald Trump, for example, with these 91 indictments. But their image of justice is like they tackle him, shackle him, put him in an orange jumpsuit and throw him in jail. When you... When you need justice. But you also make the point like he is innocent until proven guilty. And whatever the outcome of the justice system doing with him what they will is, that is facing justice. The fact that he is now right. in the justice system. There's accountability
4: system. now. That's right. There is right. accountability. Accountability doesn't mean always that you get the result you want. It usually means you don't. And, and the Mueller report was a great example of that, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. It was so, so people find that frustrating, but there's a great example, and it was uh, early in Nelson Mandela's presidency, and there was a Supreme Court ruling that it was about somebody who had been a really bad guy in the apartheid regime, and 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 this ruling went favorably for them. And It was the Supreme Court. And he, People, a crowd had gathered in Cape Town outside the Supreme Court, and finally Mandela came out himself. He was a president at the time, and he said, this is not the outcome many of us would have liked, but this is our system of justice, and the su- justice system did work in this instance. Now, here's the problem. The problem is there are a lot of people in America who are actually questioning whether or not... The justice system um, is fair and works the way it should. And there are a couple of folks on the Supreme Court who are not helping with this, right? They are not giving us the impression that justice is blind and fair. Uh, They are giving us the impression that justice is perhaps on the take sometimes and, and goes to the highest bidder. So that's a real problem that because we have actual doubts in the way justice is administered in this country, there are going to be some people wherever you stand on Donald Trump, who are going to be dissatisfied with the outcome of any of these trials, which is, again, a really good reason to read the indictments yourself. So at least you know what's in it, what's shaky, what's solid, what's a slam dunk, what's a layup, what's not. And all of those things exist in these indictments. Some of them are complicated. Some of them are obvious. Some of them might be obvious to those of us without a legal education. You're going to have to watch this closely.
0: Agreed. And everybody get your copy. It's called The Trump Indictments, The 91 Criminal Counts Against the Former President of the United States with the introduction by Ali Valshi. Make sure you watch him weekends, 10 a.m. on MSNBC. And please check out the Valshi Band Book Club. It's such a great podcast. But yeah, get this book, put it on your shelf. It'll make you look sexy. I swear to God. People love people with books about justice. I do. I agree. I promise. (laughs) And you can also listen to it. Right. If you want to go for a walk outside, touch some grass like I like to do on a daily basis. Thank you so much for joining me today. Ali Velshi, it's been a wonderful treat.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. You know, there was a time when stress seemed to get the best of me and my focus was elusive. I was on a quest for something that would bring a positive shift, and that led me to AG1. And since incorporating it into my daily routine, the difference has been strikingly noticeable. If you're a longtime listener, you might know I've been drinking AG1 for a couple years. Drinking AG1 daily turned out to be a holistic experience for me. While it catered to my immediate needs, an unexpected and welcome change was how much more relaxed I felt. Stress seemed to just melt away now, and it's replaced with calm and clarity. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula based on science to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only have I replaced my multivitamins and all my supplements and probiotics and prebiotics with AG1, but it's been invigorating to realize that every scoop brings all of those things together and, and plus greens and everything is like tailored for gut support and enzymes and immunity. It's amazing. Ever since introducing my family to AG1, the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive as well. Many mention the nutrients it provides and how their bodies seem to crave it, especially the vitamin C and zinc and you know supporting their immune health as well AG1 is the supplement i trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why they've been a partner for so long if you want to take ownership over your health it starts with AG1 try AG1 and get a free 1 year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase go to drinkag1.com/dailybeans that's drinkag1.com/dailybeans
1: So if you're tired of being fooled by the news, subscribe to Unspun today. Unspun, because you deserve the truth.
0: Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? good news, good news. And if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, you want to give a shout out to a loved one or a small business in your area or your small business or a shout out to yourself. If you have a woobie story or a blanket story, I love those little blankie story. Like I still have a blankie. I love these stories so much, Dana. They, they like make mm-hmm. my day. I know mine too. People who find their their old stuffies and stuff. Uh, also, if you have any baby pictures or a frog orgies, of course, we love those. Um, pet pod, pet tax. Uh, if you don't have pod pet tax, you can talk about an adoptable pet in your area. Anything at all. Send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from Marcy M. Oh, Quick correction. Good try on that city in northern Wisconsin. I knew it was coming.
1: <laughs> it was coming.
0: <laughs> However, Manokwa is pronounced Manokwa. And I just did it right. I was calling it Monoqua, but I just said Manokwa. Okay. All right. So I, I somehow... Figured it out in the last couple of days. Corrected. So you. you corrected yourself before the correction. Hmm. I'm attaching a picture of my beautiful dog, Remy, who crossed the Rainbow Bridge last summer. Love oh. her madly. I oh, can imagine beautiful... why Marcy Remy's beautiful. Beautiful red Merle baby with the peanut butter. Lucky dog. Know, so
2: cute. Oh Oh my God, this next dog. I know this is from Sarah R. No pronouns from Sarah. Hello again, friends. It's Pal's mom again. I hear I forgot to tell you exactly what breed he is. And well, we don't know. We think Frenchie and Pip mix with a mix of other things. So you're right. Thank you for being a light in all the chaos. We need more voices like yours. Here's another pick of Pal, because who doesn't need more cute animal picks in their day? This dog is definitely Pitbull Fringy. I mean, look at the ears. <laughs> the ears,
0: right? Oh, my God. I was God, like, it's what so is happening? Sweet. Yeah, I love this dog. Pal is great. Uh, Pal should have um, their own Instagram account. Uh, next up from Rachel, pronouns she and her. Hello, Laguma hotties of the Internet. Hey, hey. Thank you. Yeah, right. Good news. I'm writing to you after my first day of grad school in what is arguably the best educational policy program in the country. As a loudmouth educator turned advocate, I'm always so inspired by the work you women do day after day to actually get shit done. Thank you, Rachel. A good friend once told me, quote, you refuse to accept any less than better for the future. Love it. I'm proud to be entering a field where there is so much good work to be done and with so many brilliant opinionated women here to do it. P.S. If MSW is looking to hire an intrepid young education correspondent in a year, I'll be the first in line. Thank you, Rachel. Nice. Very, very nice. All right. This one's from Anonymous. Attorney,
2: pronouns she and her. Hello, ladies and team. Donnie's note about her retired Icelandic horse made me snort laugh. Have you seen the service you can get to have an Icelandic horse send your way from the office notifications emails? It's called Outhorse horse your email. I've not done it. I'm a lawyer, so. But just search it online and you'll see how glorious it is. Also, that's my pet tax today. The link to a video of Icelandic horses writing emails. <laughs> and we've got two links for you in the show notes. This is hysterical. Oh my God. Cheers. Icelandic horses are absolutely beautiful by the way yeah we had... there, so if you've been to iceland there's a certain horse like you won't see a lot of giant horses because you're not allowed to from what i understand you're not allowed to bring horses into the country
0: yeah they're small and they've been there for like thousands of years or something is yeah the and they're beautiful be sent in. yeah uh-huh yeah a service you can get to have an icelandic horse send your uh away from the office notifications <laughs> that's so great so you can have an Icelandic horse, have your do your out-of-office alerts. That's great. I love this so much. And we'll link in the show notes, like Dana said. All right. Next up, from Anonymous, she and her fellow birder here. I started my journey in my early 40s when my son and I volunteered at a local state park. I feel like it's learning a new language and always fun when you travel to a new part of the country or the world. May I suggest a new category called WTF for What the Fowl? <laughs> to get us started, I present my favorite bird. I love them because they're masters at camouflage and can be difficult to spot if you don't know what you're looking for. They like to stretch their necks up and sway with the reeds. They also make great, a great galump sound if you're lucky enough to hear them. Hopefully you can spot it in the picture. It's called an American bittern. Oh, there he is. Hi, buddy. Yeah. That is good it, at it camouflage. He does camouflage well. Yep. I liked when I was in staying in Maine um, for the Maine Comedy Festival. We were staying at a lake house and the loons were so cool to hear at night. Um, nice. My favorite bird is the secretary bird. I love that guy. It's such a weird looking bird looks like a dinosaur and he's got these little funky things that come up out of his head like rarongs. I love I love secretary birds. Oh my god. There's so many
2: different birds out there. I saw a video of a giant stork where I was like that is a human in a costume and it wasn't it was a big giant fucking bird. All right, moving on. There's no end to that story, just so I have no transition. This is from Keith, pronouncing him. (laughs) You not only give us the news with fucking swearing, but your pop culture references make me laugh so hard I snort. My wife and I both turned 50, she in December, me in April, same week as Dana's birthday, my little Aries brother. We met in the 90s and have now been married 22 years and are proud parents of a 21 and a 19-year-old Eagle Scout's. Now, I currently work with a lot of 20-somethings in tech, and they never get my references. Like if something has jumped the shark or when I bust out a, uh, what you talk about, Willis? So I instead torture them with the corny jokes like, what kind of apples grow on trees? All of them. And talk about how much I loved my Atari 2600.
0: <laughs> Keith, I have, I have a great joke for you to, to torture your ch- children with. What, what, is, what is red and smells like blue paint? it's it's red paint oh. <laughs> well done it's so dumb i love it ah!
2: i love good dad jokes so oh, this is my okay this is my favorite stock joke that uh, and i'll get back to the submission but this this turtle got jumped by three snails and when the the cops asked him what happened he said i don't know it all happened so fast yes. it's my favorite joke all time. <laughs> All right, back to Keith. Dana, I want you to know that everyone in our house got T-shirts from the HRC store last Christmas. I also proudly display both an HRC logo and a "Love Is Love" sticker on my work laptop, so my coworkers know I am an ally. Keith, you're fucking awesome. Ag, I know you want frog orgies, but would you settle for turtle porn? I took Heck this yeah. picture at vanson Park Zoo in Paramus, New Jersey, about twenty years ago. Uh, Some little girl nearby loudly proclaimed, they're playing leapfrog, which made my every adult laugh out loud. And if you took this picture 20 years ago, Keith, they're probably almost done having sex.
0: (laughs) It all happened so fast. Uh, It all happened so fast. Keith, I don't know if you know this or not, but when I was a kid um, at the Cleveland Zoo, I I saw two turtles doing this and I said, oh, they're loving each other when i was like three so that's really weird that we have a picture uh, like this as well uh and every time anybody mentions paramus dana i think of uh, ghostbusters <laughs> when he's on his television show uh bill murray uh, and he's yeah. talking to the lady and she's like i was abducted by aliens they they had a spaceship set up to look like a room at the holiday inn in paramus <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they told me that the end of the world is February 14th. And she's like, Valentine's Day. Bummer. <laughs> it's just uh, more pop culture references for those of us about to turn 50.
2: As smart as you are and as much shit as you actually do every single day, it blows my mind how many pop references you still keep in that noggin of yours. I can't not get that makes, out. Not that Not that unintelligent people know pop references. I'm just saying, like, there's only so much room in someone's brain for information, but you seem to have a lot in every aspect. Yeah,
0: yeah I don't have a photographic memory, but I have an what I call an audiographic memory. Totally. Uh, if I hear it, um, it, especially songs or poems, if it's got a rhythm or a melody, it's, it's in my head forever. It's just in That's my a head gift. forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm, I was able to memorize um, uh, Mitch Hedberg routines. I would do oh, Mitch right. Hedberg tribute comedy shows, right? Like uh, because he's so like sing songy, you know.
2: Yeah, he has a cadence for sure.
0: Yeah, so I've just, I just, um, I don't know. I've always been able to memorize stuff like that. It's weird. All right, next up from anonymous pronoun she and her. Hello, beans, queens of the beans. Just wanted to share a story from last week. A couple teachers I used to work with asked me to help chaperone a group of high school freshmen to a ropes course in the foothills. We're in Colorado. I agreed, and it was a great time. But earlier in the day, most of the students had sat down for lunch when suddenly I hear a student shout out, Is that a fucking moose? <laughs> It was, in fact, a fucking moose, which is both cool and absolutely terrifying. You do uh, not fuck yeah. around with the moose. This one decided to hang out for a while, so we eventually had to move back to the cars so the park's people could try to move him along from their truck. We ended up having a great rest of the day and an awesome story to share. It included a couple pics of the fucking moose. Thanks for all you do to keep us informed. <laughs> hey, moose.
2: Anonymous, this is a fantastic submission. And that is a big <gasps> fucking moose, by the way.
0: Is that a fucking moose? Yes, indeed it is. Oh my god, Dude, this love... guy just
2: this guy's sitting at the picnic table. Yeah,
0: that moose is like twenty feet away from him. Jesus, I love ropes courses. We used to do that. I used to be a Girl Scout camp counselor, and we of course you of course you did ropes course and rappelling. Um, so fun, like really good for like trust stuff. Yeah, like we have used to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, we used to do that at soccer camp. We'd go ropes courses when we had our soccer camp.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. Cool. Thank you so much, everybody. We got a picture of a moose today. That's fantastic. Thank you, everybody, for sending in your submissions. I love all of these photos. We got a couple of links in the show notes for you to check out. So if you want to have an Icelandic horse, give your out of office notifications for your email, all sorts of great stuff. Whatever you want to send in to us, please do so at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, we'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here, Dana? No final thoughts for today, but we'll see you tomorrow, hear you tomorrow. You'll hear us tomorrow, whatever we do. All right, everybody stick around. No, don't stick around. Go away. (laughs) It's the end of the show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Please leave that in there. So Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What are you guys still doing here? The show's over. (laughs) Go home. Hang up your phones. It's over. Why, Why are you here? Stick
0: around. What am I doing? Everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q, And <laughs> take everyone you know with you. Right now, go. Yeah. <laughs> Stick around. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane
3: Subscribe now.
5: Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right. The boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison
2: Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom.
5: Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that?
2: Hey, this is Scottie Pippen, and you're listening
4: to The Dan Dunn Show. And wait, hold on. The name of the show is what?
5: All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's or, it again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Now, what do you mean, for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von
0: Teese, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn.
1: Let me try one more time. Come on. Is oh, that right? Sorry. What We're no, Drinking? Amazing. It, Is it's it right amazing. It's just... amazing. Is it right? Ah,
5: that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts.